Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTEGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here. I'm joined by Rory O'Neill and by Shane Dowling, and we are going to review the latest round of the Allianz Hurling League. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, very good, Mikey. All right, Mikey. Look, it's Valentine's Day, lads, and I would just like to profess my love for. I've I've got the wife. That that's done. All right, that's boxed off. The kids, obviously, you know. I like to profess my love for Rory O'Connor. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been platonic for a while. You know, there's been. There's been a lot of promise there, you know, that I thought we'd have a connection and for one reason or another, it hasn't, we haven't really hit off until yesterday. Now, it, it, we, we really, there was a connection yesterday, I have to say. Um, he scored 1-4 against Clare, for those who don't know, and his brother chipped in with a bootload of freeze as well. It's, it's the, O'Connor, the O'Connor brother takeover. Um, Wexford, like any county, Shane, they have like, you know, you have the underage teams coming through and there's great store put in them and you and you expect them to hit the ground running as 20 21 year olds and that doesn't always happen um but jesus when they come good there it just feels extra good when you've kind of been waiting a while for for someone to kind of make a splash he's something else um like you really kind of gave an unbelievable display yesterday some of his points that he got like the goal he got was was, was I suppose it was power and pace that got him into the position, but some of the points he got as well. And I, I let, let me add, like that, I actually think Rory Hayes is a, is a fine cornerback, like you know. And Brian Lohan didn't mince his words afterwards in Compton on Rory Hayes anyway, like you know, he, he was less than impressed, but uh, he just happened to meet a Rory O'Connor that was really on form yesterday. But I actually think that he's an extremely underrated player. Now I know if you were to ask a lot of people, they'd say that he's very good and whatever else. But the way I have to look at these things is some of the higher profile players, if you want to call them that, did what he did yesterday, you know, people would be shouting from the rooftops. Like, so, um, you know, he was he was really, really sharp yesterday. And, I mean, if he can continue that form over the next, or bring it into the next couple of months, uh, it'd be a huge bonus for Wexford. Yeah. The, the the frustration, I suppose, for a lot of people, Rory, not frustration, but Davy Fitzgerald did a lot of good for Wexford. I'd be the first to say that. There was a slight kind of nagging feeling with some people that, well, they they became very adept at the running game, and when it went right, it was very slick. But there was this idea that, Jesus, a few more long balls into the inside forward line that includes Connor McDonald and Rory O'Connor wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And it seems to be an idea that Darry Egan has struck on early enough. I think you have to mix it up, though. I think all the best teams like will not just have one way of playing and. I mean, Davey was in with us last night and he would even concede, like, it can't be just plan A and plan A all over again because you become probably a bit too predictable for opposition teams. I mean, if you look at the best teams, the best team, Limerick, I mean, Limerick will bang one into Aaron Galan. They'll drop it back. They'll work the ball. They'll they'll play their little triangles if necessary. They'll, they've got runners if you need it. That's what makes them so difficult to... Um, so difficult to figure out because they, they can play it any which way you want. And I think in fairness to Davey, he would understand that too. I think from Darry Egan's perspective, I suppose, given the nature of the league now and the fact that we're heading into the real league, he's got opportunities in his first two matches to be able to experiment and 
to try and evolve their game a little bit. And he's got good personnel. I mean, I think if you were to do report cards, like we're heading into a, a, a mid-season break now, Hurling takes next weekend off. And if you were to do a sort of a report card after the, we'll say, the first part, I think Wexford's would be... Um, would be very much in 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 a good balance with, with a very good balance sheet, and you know they have obviously like to wet Limerick at home, Clare away, and to have two wins on the board. You know, playing really good hurling, they've got a bit of depth to their panel. They look like they're in good shape. Obviously, they've got a bit of work done. Maybe they're a bit ahead of other teams at the minute. And again, as we know, different teams time their runs differently. But I think, you know, he will definitely have eyes on Leinster and it's going to be a really, really competitive province this year. And I think they are right at the forefront now in a lot of people's thinking and no less because of the form that likes Rory O'Connor. Yeah. But Rory, sorry, just to go back on one thing you said there, and I think it was a theme of a lot of games throughout the weekend is about mixing the short ball with the long ball. And I think Davey probably spoke nearly... I won't say too much about the sharp ball last night, but I think he was right because I, I agree when you've guys like Rory O'Connor and Conor McDonald inside, you've got to get the ball in, right? But there's no point in hitting a 90-yard ball from in front of your own 21 or by, just behind your own 45. And I think what Wexford and other teams have to do, and it's what Limerick do very, very well, is they get the ball, they spray it around until they get it you know, nearly to their own 65 at a minimum. And the ball they're hitting into McDonald and Rory O'Connor, these guys, is only a 40 or 50-yard flick into space. And that's where I think maybe at times when Dave was over, maybe they took a couple of too many passes and tried to run it too far forward. Whereas now I think they're getting the ball to the optimal position, if you want to call it that. They're getting it in and fast. Then, and then delivering it. Like you see yeah. some of the ball Rory O'Connor got there yesterday. I mean, if Lord or God was marking him, he wouldn't have been able to do anything because the, the space and it was just a perfect ball delivered in um, and I think actually Conor McDonald was probably small that starved yesterday but Roy O'Connor saw the benefits but yeah I definitely think that's a massive thing and I know we'll come on to Tipperary to Kenny in a while but that's definitely a huge thing for teams is they got to get the ball in around the middle of the field and the ball they're delivering in can really only be a 30 or 40 yard pass more so than a long ball in. Yeah and on, on the depth point then Shane I suppose you have the extra bench I would say is something that has let them down in the last couple of years and comparison to you know actually Kilkenny be a bad example at the moment because perhaps they're not at their strongest in terms of their squad then but Galway certainly Limerick and Cork as well kind of you know larger squads where Wexford didn't have that but now as you say you know they've they have a decent panel now and if Sean Murphy comes back from back surgery Lee Lee Chin's not too far away and Kevin Foley believe is not too far away like it seems an odd thing to say this year of all years that, oh, well, Wexford are probably a few weeks ahead and maybe they're targeting the league. The championship starts a week after the league. Targeting nine, the nine, league is the same thing as targeting the championship. Nine, nine weeks from yesterday, Cork play Limerick in the championship. So there's, there, there's, and, and there's no harm. And Mikey, just one thing you said there about having strength and depth. Like over the last two years, remember what you had is basically you had teams that maybe with 15 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go or 10 minutes to go, whatever it was, they had to unleash their bench and try to come in and finish a game. That's actually not going to be the problem this year. The problem teams are going to face this year is that they're going to play a numerous amount of games where they haven't done in the last two years. So if you're you're only one or two injuries away from having to have not even a strong panel to come in off the bench, but you're going to have to rotate your team probably a lot of days because of tiredness and injuries and everything else. So that's where it's going to pay huge dividends to the team that's got the 20 or 22 players that are in a really strong position this year. Yeah, that's that's interesting then. That 
you don't yeah you, you you cannot be reliant on 15 in february to be carrying you through the summer all right mm-hmm. on that point i suppose then rory it's it, it was a better performance by claire reading anti daily's columns for an examiner there, there was a lot to be happy about but um the as Dalo said the probably the high point for claire fans was the pre-warm-up when tony kelly was out doing sprints in the rain to have him close to coming back is is huge for claire and, and they have a few others. I mean, I don't think David Mack played yesterday. And no, I he's don't, still out as well, yeah. And I don't, and Aidan McCarthy, who I think was a massive player for them in 2021, um, obviously a nominee for Young Hurler of the Year and gives him a lot of energy in that half forward line and gets through a huge amount of work. I think he's going to be a, he, he'll be a big boost when he gets back as well. So they have a few players to come back in. Last by three. Unfortunately for Offaly, that's where they're going next. They'll have a week off, really, to sort of, you know, um, recharge a little bit and take stock. And then they're heading to um, heading to Burr or is it O'Connor Park? It's, it's up to Offaly anyway. Um, so O'Connor look, Park, I think. So O'Connor Park, like, look, with all due respect, they're going to win that before they welcome the All-Ireland Champions to Ennis the following week. And I think that's not a bad couple of weeks to map out the rest of your league campaign you would probably get a warm-up game home and then you're going to get a severe test because obviously, look, the reality is Clare play Limerick in Tiddlywinks. There's probably going to be 15,000 people at it and that, that'll that be a really good test then ahead of championship. I think from Brian Lowen's perspective, all he's got to do really is just like Shane just said, it is like for all teams, well, certainly for the teams, we'll say in the mid-rankings, it's just putting depth into that panel because whether it's suspensions, whether it's injuries, whether it's COVID, whether it's tiredness, fatigue, you are going to need numbers 20, 21, 22. It's going to be hugely important because the games, championship, a championship pace are going to be coming thick and fast once things, once the ball is thrown in on the 16th of April. Yeah, um, well, we'll stick with that with uh, with the uh, with the Group A for a second, Shane. We'll just briefly mention the Cork and Offaly game because. We we spoke last week about poor Offaly probably, you know, a year of learning being a euphemistic way of saying they're probably in for four or five Haydens. They got a mother of all Haydens from a Cork team who you could argue <laughs> didn't didn't completely click by any means. Um one interesting point about the Cork team, I suppose, was Mark Keane mm. playing on the edge of the square. Um he's he wouldn't be what you'd call your stereotypical Cork forward these days. He's a big man, he's a target man. Um he scored one point himself, but I suppose he was probably put in there more to create than to score anyway. You, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. And I, like, I, I think you're right. Are we going to go into too much detail about what happened just in terms of the game? No, there's no point, right? And it is going to be a huge learning curve for Offaly and whatever else, right? Uh, in, in relation to Mark Keane, I was... Um, I think it's great for Cork. Now, Rory, you'll know a lot more than I will hear in relation to Cork. And everything goes he, he, he played out on the... He played kind of number 12 yesterday. Yeah. As a sort of a puck out option, and he's six five. He's a, he's a, he's a weapon, Shane. He's you know? and I know I saw him, and he's quick, like and he's powerful, and he's he's got all the attributes. What, what I suppose what I meant there is in terms of Cork hurling and what like what Cork did last year. Essentially, is not going to be enough, right? Because 
you know, that's it's it was there playing for everyone to see. So they got to try something else, they got to try vary it. And having someone like him that can cause trouble in at the edge of the square, that can be a puck out option. You know, what I thought Cork and you know, they, well, they're very, very quick, but I thought they had to do a lot of the time last year for their own puck outs, is they had to do so much movement and try to find themselves in space because they just weren't strong enough to win one on one ball down the top of your, you know, 50 50 contest because it's just the players to have. Whereas now you could say to Marquine, right, you go to 10, you go to 12, there's no need for all this movement. Back to the old days and early, right, 50 50, and he's strong enough and powerful enough to try win the ball and then to create something out of it. And of course, you can you can try that then with, you know, mixing, mixing and matching that with 14, putting them inside and full forward. And again, obviously, they've got a lot of quick players, they can get in quality ball. But when they're in trouble or when they're under pressure, having an option to hit that long ball in the edge of the square, <clears throat> I think it's huge for Cork. And I think it's is is a find the right word I don't know but it's a huge asset to their to their team and in fairness Kieran Kingston like I know you know Cork you know did very very well against Clare and and wiped off yesterday and like you see games over the years where where teams are expected to wipe these lesser teams if you want to call them and they don't do it and generally for me that's a sign of that they mightn't be going as well as you may think whereas things seem to be tipping away nicely in Cork and having the likes of Mark Keane there now as well I think is a massive bonus for them yeah um Rory it was probably a bit of a well a bit of a not a shock but it was a nice surprise pleasant surprise that he chose the hurlers over the footballers um given his background is AFL but uh, it seems his first love is hurling and in fairness in Cork it if if you're an inter-county if you're a dual star it's usually the code people stump for if they have the option well I mean he scored a goal in a football sense that you know, probably should have, never gone be should have gone into folklore <laughs> had they actually gone on and won the Munster Championship afterwards, which the footballers didn't. And I think people were genuinely surprised that he, that he, firstly, that he chose hurling. And secondly, that the management would have felt that his hurling would be of sufficient standard that he would be able to get in at inter-county level, given the fact that, you know, I mean, look, Shane will obviously know a hell of a lot more about hurling sharpness and the, the kind of the kind of sharpness that you need to your game to play at inter-county level particularly, which I wouldn't have the first clue of. But if you're away in Australia for three years, the hurley out of your hand, can you make that adaptation very, very quickly? I don't know, is the honest answer. I think what we saw yesterday was a little, you know, like, I mean, he, there's a kind of a roughness, I suppose, or a rawness still, which I'm sure, like, I mean, as a fella said to me, he probably needs to live in the ball alley for the next two or three months and 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 try and get that kind of sharpness into his game. And then who knows? But um yeah, I think it was a surprise that he did that he did. And I think he would have obviously been a big boost to the footballers as well. I think just in a general sense, though, like and look, I'm not the only other thing that I suppose that came out that was slightly noteworthy. And this might seem like sacrilege, but is the day coming when Patrick Horgan may not start? I'm just throwing that out there. Could, you know, like, he, he, obviously he's, you know, they're going to be minding Patrick. Of, uh, you know, he's not getting any younger. But I thought it was interesting yesterday when he did come on that Shane Kingston remained on the freeze. That's normally Patrick's, obviously, major forte. And um, is an impact role. Maybe something that the management might feel that if you reduce the the minutes that you might get an extra two or three years out of him, you know? I don't know. 
and mm. sorry, just to go back once, if Dinroy, what you said is him being away, Mark um, been away for three years. And I would think that if you're away for three years and come back into intercounty hurling this day and age is more or less impossible, right? Mm. I actually didn't think his hurling lacked the whole pile yesterday. I'm not, right. I'm not saying he's going to score you two four from play every day he goes out, but I suppose what he, do you know who, who he reminded me of a good bit was the Bonner Matter. Like, so he's strong, powerful, quick, uh, able to hurl without being naturally talented, I suppose, if that's the right way of saying yeah. it. And he was very, it just, I just thought the comparison in my own mind was, was very, very similar. So uh, I think that the way his hurling is at, and you give another two months of that under his belt before a championship starts, I don't think his hurling is going to let him down. Uh, no, if he finds himself six yards out on his own to take a shot, maybe that will tell. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him. But um, so I just thought that, you know, himself and the Bonner were very similar. In relation to what you're saying about Patrick Horgan, I think he'll start. Um, mm. Like, you know, I know the, very, the easy thing here would be to look at his would be to look at his age. I never look at anybody's age. I look at their physique, phys physique, their physicality, their their quickness and everything else. And again, I haven't seen much from, none of us have seen much from this year, but I think until we see him start from a game and where he's at, it's only then you can probably make a judgment. Yeah, you're more uh, mileage on the clock than uh, your registration kind of guy, Shane, are you? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the final game in Group A then was the Saturday night game on, on television where Galway went down to uh, the Gaelic ground, Shane, and, and, and ruined Limerick's homecoming night. And you must have had high hopes with that, with the start they had after after being hooked early against Wexford and, you know, people saying that's just the kick up the arse Aaron Galan needed. Maybe it was because he scored the most archetypal Aaron Galan goal you could possibly yeah. see. Diagonal ball to the outside, catches it, turns, wallop. It was a great goal at a great start. Yeah, super start. Like I, I still I said before the game, and I'd still say kind of now <clears throat> that maybe you know they're a couple of weeks behind other teams for for reasons you know being away and mm. everything else. And then that question was posed to John after the game, and he said, "Not we're back training seven weeks. That's not an excuse." So if John's not using it as an excuse, I most certainly can't. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I think. You know, to be fair to Galway, there was one clip that I suppose epitomised for me where Galway are at. Towards the end of the game, now maybe the game was over at this stage as well, Sean Finn was coming out with the ball. Now, how many times do we see Sean Finn starting to play from back there, transitioning through the lines and then building it from there? He Three Galway players turned him over before another came in and Joseph Cooney eventually got the ball and put it over the bar. And I just thought to myself that, you know, uh, I thought in Shane O'Neill's first year with Galway, they were the closest team to beat Limerick. I thought they were very, very good. Didn't work last year. And obviously Henry coming in this year would give anyone a boost. So I was impressed by Galway. Going back to Limerick, sorry, I thought that, you know, William O'Donoghue getting injured at the start of the game, all of a sudden your whole, everything you want to try to go after, I suppose, changes a small bit. So that definitely changed the dynamic. In saying that, they still had 11 of the starting team that won the All-Ireland out. I know they're missing still a couple of players. Um, but for me, I think it's, I think it'll bode well for Limerick. I'm far from concerned anyway. Um, and I know it's funny because back in 2018, Everyone wanted to see Limerick win All Ireland, or you know, when when they got that far. And what I mean by that is when a team is 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 starved of success for so long, everyone likes to see the underdog. Be kind of similar to Waterford now. For you know, everyone would love to see a Waterford win it because they haven't won in so long. Now everybody wants Limerick to lose. It's just the nature of the way we are. Yeah. Uh, and when Limerick lose, it kind of gives gives other teams hopes hope. And how and they will be looking in, and they will be certainly tuning in to see what Darry Egan did, to see what Henry Sheffin did. 
But I think, you know, come championship time, you'll see a different animal. I still firmly believe that Limerick aren't as far in front as people think they are. Um, so it, 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 it's great for the, for the neutral person looking in to see Limerick being beaten as it kind of nearly brings them closer to the pack. Mm. But um, there were still, I still saw snippets on Saturday night of what they'd done last year that won them the All-Ireland, i.e. that Aaron Gillan goal that, you know, we've seen so many times over the years. So, um, and, you know, it was great to see Carl O'Neill as well. Oh, yeah. I, I um, play well. I, I, you know, the talk about him over the last couple of years, I, I felt is, is hard, on, hard on him because he's very, very young and played against Wexford. It didn't go far, but, you know, on a personal note, just to see him going in and giving that performance was very, very pleasing yeah. to see. I wouldn't say, Shane, Limerick could quite reach the level of being kind of, Sorry, we were talking about how you no interest in American football. Because going to use a Dallas Cowboys reference, there's the team everybody loves to hate. I don't think you're quite there yet, but um, no, I, I would, I, I wouldn't agree with that either. I no. actually think, I think, like the one thing I would say on that is, it just like this is the Limerick era. I think that's to be welcomed. You have to remember, like, she's been ten years of Kilkenny domination. Tipperary dominated the '60s. Cork probably had their periods of domination in the '70s. There's absolutely nothing wrong when a team gets into a period where they win a batch of all Irelands and create carve out their own piece of history into hurling. And I think this is Limerick's this is Limerick's time, and that to me is um, that to me is a mm. good thing. You know, it's and it's good for it's good for the game, and it's just up to everybody else to try and you know to get up there and and and. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I guess the um the, any animosity might might be coming from instance like the uh, the sending off. Shane and uh, your column in the past has dealt with you know accusations of uh, Limerick uh, excessive aggression, shall we say? Uh, you couldn't have any complaints about the red card, though. What Gro did, you know, it's it's not acceptable, is it? And it was a fairly obvious red card. No complaints, Mikey, and anybody that thought it wasn't a red card, and there was some. Um, it was surprising to be honest. Um, you wouldn't want to beat them down the dark alley, <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I like it was the same with the Peter Casey incident last year. Like, and while I'm obviously still very close to a lot of them, but I'm, I'm not going to say something was not a red card if it was a blatant red card. I'm sure, like, John will know that, Grohl will know that. And it was just, I'd imagine, like, and what people don't see us was off the ball is the treatment that he and probably the other forward gets. And at times, they're human beings, they lash out. And yes, I know, Don Logue went to town and more or less explained all the number of uh, of, of, of previous non-red cards that maybe should have been dished out. But listen, it's part of the game and it just so happened that, you know, because of maybe a number of things in the past, uh, it was highlighted more on Saturday night. But listen, it was a red card. That's the bottom line. And I think, uh, was it Derek said it last night, that I actually think that this would be the best thing to happen him and indeed Limerick because, um, you know, it, I'd rather it happen now than happen in the middle of the summer anyway. And it, was team, good it was good refereeing as well, to be honest. It was like, brilliant refereeing because yeah. no drama, Fergie. And and no drama. Going, didn't know? make it about himself. Yeah. There's your red card. Off you go. Off get you on go. with the game. End yeah. up. And he got close enough to the action to nearly get a couple of scalps himself, <laughs> actually. He was right in there. So he had a good eye on it. Um, I know I know you disagree, Shane, but there is a view out there that Limerick can be a bit loose, particularly in kind of, you know, kind of... Sure, I, don't disagree, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree, Mikey. I've seen the incidents myself. I, hmm. the, the one thing I'd love to always try and be is is realistic in, in, in your comments or in your approach and what you see. And I've never said anything other than what the main have said in, in relation to Limerick. Yes, there have been incidents over the last couple of years where... 
they could have had more sending offs. That's that's reality. That's the bottom mm. line. And sure, like there's no hiding behind that. And but you know, people then go on about the edge. But sure, what's the edge like? Oh, Limerick living the edge. Like, can anyone explain to me what the edge is like? Do you know what I mean? So can people say Kilkenny did it? Uh, you know, in, in their it's part. usually a good thing, Shane. Because exactly, yeah, exactly, you talk about that Kilkenny team, everybody always said they were on the edge. So seemingly sure, being on the edge is a good thing. It helps yeah, win hurling matches. Means, whatever it means, but when Kilkenny were in their pomp, sure, everyone wanted to debate him. Like, so what happens when you play the team that's always winning? You're, you were a bit more aggressive in the tackle. If a chance for a row broke out, you were definitely going to take it on. And and teams, then players get frustrated. And that's the reason why. I, I wouldn't see anything wrong with it, to be honest. But yes, there have been instances in the past and I'm sure they'll learn with it now and just move on. Yeah, it was Rory. Um, it, it was a, a it was a decent game. Um, oh, the sending it. off probably did was, kind I of spoil it, it a little bit. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, you know, that's I mean, that's not the ref's fault, or certainly Galway. No, no, I just mean that it's hard but, to it's yeah, hard to ah, truly listen, take stock of the second was, half. To my mind, for a league game on the twelfth of February, I thought it was thunderous stuff altogether. I mean just the way they both got stuck into it. One thing that stood out for me, actually, I thought was quite interesting. It'd be, it'd be funny to get Shane's view on this. Fintan Burke, who, in fairness, had a blinder uh, in his interview afterwards when he was picking up the Man of the Match award. He said, you know, when he was asked about Henry Sheffield's influence, he said, well, Henry's come in, you know, doesn't worry about stats, just wants us to go out and hurl and ensure that's what we want. Do you believe that, Rory? No, not at all. Because if you did, I was going to get off the call. Yeah, because what I thought was very funny was, if anybody believes that Henry Shefflin isn't, you know, checking readouts, looking to make sure who's fading, who's, who's, you know, who's pushing on with their beep tests and who's, uh, who, you know, what if he's looking at their shots percentages and their success ratios and their puck out stats, and if he, like Henry, if they haven't very, made a homemade gym out of sacks of coal in the garage, Henry, they'll be they'll be in trouble too. Henry Henry Shefflin is a winner. Anything that aids and abets him in winning, Henry will be very open minded towards. And while he may not be shoving it down their throats, you can be damn sure Henry is uh, keeping a close eye on any numbers that are presented to him. Yeah. But I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> well, he's been away with Thomas's, hasn't he? So maybe, maybe he hasn't actually had, had it inflicted on him yet, but uh, he will. Shane, it, the, if you were to look at the stats, which I haven't, but if you were, I would say the tackle count, just the sheer, uh, like the meters covered, kilometers covered by that Galway team. It was, it was an impressive kind of display of, I suppose, intensity for, you know, early February. It was unbelievable. It was mm. like, you know, it's great. So, okay, so there was there was a few mistakes along the way. You'd expect that, but in in relation to the in relation to the effort that was put in by both teams, there, like it was, it was, it was just class. Like, you know, there's no two ways about it. And maybe Galway have realised that, uh, you know, that that's what it's going to take to be the Limerick team. And it, you know, it was funny. I, for whatever reason, when a full time whistle is blown, uh, my eye always just gets drawn to the managers. Uh, just afterwards, I don't know why it's just something. And usually, anytime I've seen John do it, like he, you know, shake hands and pat in the back, kind of a quick smile, and off he goes. Uh, there was none of that the weekend. So I know Joe Canning said that there was a few words off the camera. So I don't know what happened, or maybe me, probably me overreading the situation. But there's a part of me thinks that maybe both know that they're coming for each other down the road, yeah. and you know, one believes that we can turn you over, and the other knows that they're a threat. So maybe that was the reason why I don't know. 
Henry was probably already looking at his stats readout. He just didn't even realize John was even there and <laughs> yeah. walking out. <laughs> and yeah, look, it does bode well for the for the championship because I think everyone, I think for the last few years, Limerick Galway meetings have kind of been what we've kind of been looking forward to because we think there are two teams that kind of bring the best out of each other. Two other teams who have over the last long time brought the best out of each other were Tipperary and Kilkenny, and while they're probably not quite hitting the same heights of a few years ago. Um, I think there was probably a lot to encourage both teams here, Rory. Um, obviously Kilkenny waiting to get their waiting to get their Ballyhale contingent back, which isn't like a magic wand or anything, but you know it's significant. You know, two of their most influential forwards for a start, anyway, and TJ Reid, Noel Cody, and whoever else is coming back. And Tip after Colin Bonner, we've discussed already. He's he, he's had a pig of a start, or he had you know the Kerry Kerry the retirements, etc. Um, they got a win. Jason Ford looks like one of the best forwards in the country and um, Ronan Maher will not be left on the bench again, I imagine. He's trying again, another manager that's prob- probably trying to evolve them a little bit and trying to put a bit of depth into the panel. Trying to, He's also probably trying to get a small bit more pace into the team, particularly into the half-back line. You're also trying to replace the likes of Brendan Maher and Paddy Maher just in terms of leadership presence. You know, um, and just like, I mean, 10 years over however many years that they've given service to Tipperary, that's not that's not easily done. And I think they were, they, they'll be happy enough. One, one, like, I mean, it was a funny match in that Kilkenny, uh, Kenny were very poor in the first half and conceded the most bizarrest goal. I mean, like, look, the two best goalkeepers in the country, Nicky Quaid and, um, and, and Scruff and, for him to get rumbled on a puck out, I don't think I've ever seen that before. No, I, I, I um, actually was, I hadn't seen the teams named. I, I came in like a few minutes into the match and I actually assumed it was the guy who was playing last week. I just didn't think old Murphy could do that. Yeah, you know, it was, it was so it, unusual. It, it was, it was, it was, that was a first and they were very poor in that first half. Now they were playing into the wind. Obviously they came out in the second half. I'd say they got an earful and they certainly upped it. They made a few switches. Walter came on, made a big difference just in terms of a presence again. Now, a lot of people I see this morning, Eamon Sweeney, writing the epitaph of Kilkenny hurling and 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 basically saying that Henry was the one that maybe the, the one that got Because Henry's and, gone forever. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> but one of the interesting aspects is, I mean, look, Kilkenny won't be in the hot shakes to win the All-Ireland this year, I would imagine. But even, and, and, and if they weren't, to do so, you're heading into eight years now since they'll have won Liam McCarthy. Now, I think at this point, what is interesting is Brian Cody's career, which was adorned with just prolific success and championship after championship of for the first half of his career now, is drifting in. Like there are now becoming almost two halves to Brian Cody's career because we're drifting into territory that long since they've actually been All Ireland champions. And I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of how his legacy is painted, and maybe is there will will pe- will the murmurings and the grumblings in Kilkenny start to grow louder? In that, you know, is there a sense now starting to gather pace that is he staying on too long? You know, and will those concerns start to manifest itself from a Kilkenny perspective? Because I think, like yesterday, they huffed and puffed. I don't necessarily see them scaring too many teams, even in Leinster anymore. 
Mm, what do you think, so, Shane? It's um, for me, it might it, be... it's a kind of in transition excuse. It, it it might be wearing out, but at the same time, we all know that no empire lasts forever, and teams do need to be rebuilt. And he was so successful at it for twenty years that it did. It's hard to say. Is is the fault with him, or could you blame Ballyhale's dominance of the Kilkenny Championship, or is it just one a cyclical thing? You know. Well, for me, Mikey, it was one of the worst games I heard and I have seen in a long time. Um, <laughs> now that may be an unpopular opinion, but if you see, if you saw uh, some of the scores and shots that players got off yesterday, if if I put it this way, if if it was a training match and I was over either them. If, if it was a training match and then 30 players are from the one place, I would be pulling them in after 15 minutes or so or 20 minutes. Like the space, the, like you look at the you look at the Limerick and Galway, right? You talk about teams in transition, okay? But you look at Limerick and Galway, how much of that match, you know, was down to was down to quality players or was down to great hurling players, whatever. Yeah, bits of it were, but a huge amount was down to effort and work rate and tackles and hits and intensity. There was none of that in the Tipperary and Kilkenny game, in my opinion, anyway. I'd be interested in what you think now, but like Jason Ford was exceptional. He's a really good hurler, but like, I'm not being smart, like, but if you're an inter-county player and you get that space, like you should be putting the ball over the bar. Uh, I just thought that the, the, the quality on show from more so Kilkenny was really poor. Um, I thought actually Kilkenny would win the game I thought I still think they should have won the game when you look at the couple of mistakes that were made uh, I, I just think that both teams are a long long way off what's going to be required to win Ireland I could be eating humble pie but I was very disappointed in what I saw yesterday I just thought it was like a very very poor training match What do you make of what do you make of Podrick Walsh being played centre forward Shane? I, I don't see an issue with it. I think he's I, I think he's a gifted hurler. I love you know like if you look at Kilkenny, you look at Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan, Polly Walsh. Like I think they're actually really really good hurlers. I wouldn't see an issue with Polly Walsh playing at eleven. I think because he started his career off in the half back line, he's a famed brother who's one of the great greatest back there as well. I wouldn't see a big issue with that. I, I'd have a lot more concern than than just having Polly Walsh uh, centre forward. I mean, how many times yesterday did someone come back to what we said in relation to the the Claire Wexford game how many times did somebody get a ball in around their own 21 or 45 fire it down the other end of the field to two or three opposition mm-hmm. players in space like uh, I don't get what that's about like our team's not being coaching out to try and maintain the ball Um, I get when you have new players coming in it takes a bit of time I know it's only the second round of the league but still though in, in terms of quality and in terms of how to play the game I thought Tipperary were a lot better I thought they tried to work the short game a lot more I think it was Davy showed it again last night there were snippets of it there was also snippets of them hitting long ball as well so maybe they're trying to do the right thing but in the main I just didn't see much so I started off by asking a question about Brian Cody which I think you've indirectly indirectly answered you don't see a particular tactical master plan or kind of a a coaching system there when you look at Kilkenny yesterday at least caveat it's the second round of the league I think it's very ignorant out of anybody to say that there is no coaching system in place because you know these teams are are, are live are, have very very good quality coaches and with them they're inter-county teams who have aspirations in their own camps of trying to win all Ireland to win a provincial championship so to say and I hear some people saying that there's no coaching structure it has to be not true unless there's a really really bad setup within a county but I just struggled to see what they were doing I, at least with Tipperary I saw that they were trying to at times work the ball through the lines get it to the optimum position and deliver but that was that failed at times and maybe it failed and they became under 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 a bit of pressure but uh, sorry going back to Tipperary with mm. Kilkenny um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't see it. I just didn't see it. That's, that's the bottom line. Um, and like, even there was one point, Paddy Walsh got, if you remember, it came from a big 80-yard ball in. He touched down in fairness, got a great score off his right. But I mean, how many times has that happened in a game? Not, not that often anymore. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll, we'll finish up now in a second, lads. We'll just switch briefly from Intercounty to the club because uh, it, would be, it would be remiss of us, Rory, not to mention what happened in Crow Park on yeah. Saturday. Um, two club finals um, to remember uh, with unforgettable finishes. But um, I don't... The football was utterly forgettable, bar the finish. Bar the finish. But the hurling was... <laughs> what a um, terrible match that was. That, that goal, um, there was just so much about it that was just... The ball should have been lost on their own 65 and the midfielder somehow came out, came, dropped it was tackled somehow came away not just with the ball but in his hand and moving in the right direction perfect run but like who in the right mind would put a euro on harry ruddle to score a goal when he collects the ball on on the belly hail 65 yard line it was yeah, absolutely incredible finish it was it was like it was funny i think it was a barry Coughlin in his acceptance speech <laughs> said he'd been doing that to teams for years and there was kind of almost like a sort of a a sort of an awkward uh, sort of groan which met that but it was very part it was a very pertinent point at the same time in that like even going back to last year's uh, all ireland semi-final cork had kilkenny you would i would i would thought probably well beaten and somehow in you know last puck of the ball managed to you know was it adrian mullen managed manages to get it into extra time and this is class it just it's just the way kilkenny teams are programmed They'll never give up, in fairness, their spirit and their ability to just stick it in there. And uh, and for, for it to sort of have a kind of completely spun on its head and to see a Waterford club actually win the All-Ireland, for, for a Waterford club to win the All-Ireland club for the very first time, I, I think that's an incredible achievement in, in and of itself. And it shouldn't be underestimated. I mean, we had Shane's club, by my reckoning, or just off the top of my head, you're still the only Limerick club that has done a chain, isn't that correct? Correct, yeah. Which, yeah. which will give you an indication of how difficult it is. Like, you were the first Limerick club to do so in 2016. 16. So, like, you know, the boost that, like, so 2016, the Pearshig win, the All Ireland club, that's a shot in the arm for any county, whether, you know, and then two years later, Limerick win the All Ireland. Is that a coincidence? Probably. But maybe it's not. And who's to say that what Ballygunner have done, you know, might not give Watford hurling a similar type of impetus. And you'd hope that it does. It's weird in the shape. Like it's it's not just Limerick. Um, Buffers Alley are the only Wexford club to ever win it. Cooler are the only Dublin team to ever win it. Albeit they won it's it. It's a twice. hard thing to win. Yeah. It's a hard thing to win. Burr are the only Offaly team to win it. Grant, they won it four. Like, like it is dominated by Galway, Kilkenny and Cork clubs. Um, so... For ba- if this Ballygunner team had, you know, kind of gone, you know, kind of gone to seed without winning an All Ireland Cup title, I think there would have been people all over the country scratching their heads. And certainly, all the team, all the clubs in Waterford that they've been dominating with the jackboot on the neck would be wondering how did this bloody crowd not win an All Ireland? Yeah, and I, like I've played against Ballygunner Munster Club on three occasions. Um, I, I've always rated them highly. I think they're a very, very good side. But... Kind of coming back to what we were saying there a while ago about coaching, whatever, right? Uh, you know, the sign of a team that's really well coached is when they don't revert to type when the pressure comes on. 
And when when uh, you know when Ballygunner got that ball in, in around their own half back line, I mean there was maybe was there three or four 10 to 15 yard passes before the space opened up. How many times over the years have we seen Damn a team it. that are two points down getting the ball, launching it into the edge yeah. of the square in amongst a load of people? And, the ball just, calls yeah, yeah. and they were hairy passes as well, Shane. A, co- a couple of them were like they weren't gimme passes. They were you were passing no. to a man who was marked like it was but it was this, utter this, trust. It was, and it's this is what I mean. Performing under pressure is the best skill you can have, and that's why teams that train and train themselves under pressure uh, generally come out on top. Now, I know there's an element of luck to it as well, but as I was watching the game, I thought, you know, Valley Gunner um, were, leaving, were, were leaving the thing behind them. Um, but, you know, for a finish, what a goal from Harry Ruddles. I mean, I'd love to be Harry Ruddles yesterday morning and this morning and for the next 10 mornings. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's dreamland stuff. And mm. I remember, like, obviously, what you said there, Rory, when we won the Ireland Club in 2016. Um, and thank, th- thankfully, we, we had a comprehensive enough win. And, and and the buzz that we all got out of it and the club got out of it. So I can imagine, uh, I see um, on Twitter there some videos going around of some of the celebrations and, if anything, it just gives you that drive inside you that you want to get your own club, you know, back to try competing for counties and monsters and so on as well, you know. So it was, a, it was an incredible game. Uh, a game, like you look at the, uh, again, you look at the Kilkenny Tipperary game, you look at the Belly Gunner, Belly Hale game, and it's very easy to know which one was uh, had a lot more quality and a lot more physicality. Yeah. Um, right, lads, we'll leave it at that. Although, actually, Shane, I had one question to ask you. Sorry, I'm going back to the Wexford Clare game. I'm not, yeah. it's, not, it's not a Wexford question. Um Four points down, time pretty much up. Mark Rogers had a 21-yard free, which he tapped over. And then he looked kind of surprised at the ref. This happens every now and again. You were a free taker. Like, like, is there some logic to saying, we'll get a better chance at a goal than this 21-yard free, so I'll sort out the point here? Or is it just, it's a league game in February, he's not actually that bad? It just seemed like a, an odd thing to do, to tap it over and then look at the ref as if you're really surprised. It's just hard scored and now it's it was different before, Mikey, where you could rise the ball at the 21 and bring it in a bit. To score a 21-yard free now is very, very difficult. The reality is you still need two scores. So if you get one of the scores, well, then you just need one more play. And it's kind of, I suppose, maybe similar to uh, to Ballygunner. I know that there was two points, not three points. But when you have it down to one score, you have a chance. But at two scores, you have no chance. So I, what would I do if I was in that position? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You might get a better chance to get a goal, so you may have to take a, a take a punt and go for it. But um, yeah, listen, if it was me, I'd go for goal, but I can understand the, the, the psychology behind it. You do need two scores, and at least if you get one off the list, you have it down to one, but it's 50-50, really. It's like the debate over the rugby, whether they should have gone for the corner or gone for the post. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, happens in every sport. Listen, nice Monday morning chat, lads. I hope you have a very romantic Valentine's Day. Um, thank you Rory thank you Shane and we'll catch up with you on Thursday for a football preview show goodbye we earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us what I love in Hurland I love players that will never give in he hits it he hits it it's over the bar oh holy Moses